You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. Welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I have a return guest, my friend Diane Sanfilippo. Diane was my guest on episode 159 of the podcast, and we talked all about what was her new book at the time, Keto Quick Start, and all things keto. So if you haven't already checked out that episode, make sure you check it out. Diane is also the owner and founder of Balanced Bites, the best spice company in the world. She is the New York Times bestselling author of the legendary Practical Paleo. I'm sure almost everyone who listens to the show has probably read Practical Paleo. It was my Bible when I first entered the paleo space. She is also the author of the 21 Day Sugar Detox, the 21 Day Sugar Detox Cookbook, and co author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Many people know her from her top-rated podcast, The Balance Bites Podcast, which ran for eight years and was actually the podcast that made me fall in love with all things nutrition and inspired me to become an NTP. And now Diane co-hosts the weekly business and entrepreneurship podcast, Driven. So if you're interested in all things entrepreneurship, definitely check out Driven. It is amazing. And in this show, Diane and I are talking about all things entrepreneurship, everything from what it's like running Balanced Bites Spices and then launching Balanced Bites Meals, which if you have not already tried the meals, they are amazing. They're definitely the best frozen meals on the market. I highly recommend always having at least seven stocked in your freezer at all times. Diane's a genius when it comes to food. But we talked all about what it's like building that business, building a business in the food industry. Also, building a beauty counter business and how she has built such a successful beauty counter business. We also discuss a lot around boundaries and getting to know yourself better to become a better entrepreneur. So we have a ton of great content in this episode. I loved getting to chat with Diane about all things entrepreneurship and it's just a really fun laid back conversation. So I'm excited for you to hear and Of course, you can always find more from Diane at balancedbites.com, on the Driven Podcast, and on Instagram at Diane Sanfilippo. I also want to remind you that today is the last day that doors are open for the up-level membership. This is my monthly membership for all things wellness and manifestation and intuition. You get access to monthly Q&A calls with me and the other incredible up-level members. And we also have monthly manifestation calls, which are a lot of fun. If you're looking to manifest some amazing things into your life, plus hundreds of exclusive blog posts, 
video trainings, channeled messages, and pre-released podcast interviews video version. So a lot of good stuff there. And if you're interested in that, you can sign up today at christinaricewellness.com slash membership. So doors are going to close for that today. But what is continuing to stay open is enrollment for No Bullshit Business School. So if you are an online coach, a health coach, a nutritionist, an NTP, a trainer, an energy healer, a human design reader, have some affiliate marketers in there, even personal chef, and you want to learn how to build a six-figure online coaching business using Instagram to market without killing yourself, then No Bullshit Business School is for you. It's a three-month program that truly teaches you everything you need to know from marketing to business strategy, pricing structure, growing your email list, as well as how to actually coach, how to be an effective coach, and all things manifestation and brain rewiring for abundance and to call in your dream business. So it's a really powerful program. Your life will change in so many amazing ways. You have a community of incredible women supporting you along the way. You'll get weekly video and audio content as lectures, plus weekly Q&A calls, Slack support in between, an amazing library of bonus interviews with incredible guests, an individualized energy healing session from yours truly, and all the knowledge you need to build a six-figure online coaching business without paying for any ads. So if you are interested in signing up, enrollment is now. Limited spaces are available. I'm looking for go-getter, ambitious women who are ready to step into their purpose And if that is you, then head to christinaricewellness.com and click the business tab at the top. That's where you will find all the information about No BS Biz School and you can apply and get in before spots fill up. We start October 5th and I'm already getting so excited about the women who have already joined. So I can't wait to see how this next group comes together. Those are my updates for you this week. So I won't leave you waiting any longer. Enjoy this conversation with Diane Sanfilippo. As I have tapped more and more into my intuitive gifts, I've discovered that certain environmental factors can really affect the quality of information I receive. And one of those factors is my exposure to blue light. And I found it's really important for me to work with the natural light cycles and avoid blue light in the evenings. This is one of many reasons why I cannot live without my blue blocks, blue light blocking glasses. Their Sleep Plus Red Lens is the only true 100% blue and green light blocking lens for when the sun goes down. It helps to improve sleep, reduce anxiety, and optimize your hormonal function. If you are using orange glasses to protect yourself against blue light in the evenings, then it's really not giving you the protection you need. You'll notice a huge difference when you use the Sleep Plus Red Lenses. And during the day, I use the Blue Light Clear Lens, which is the blue light filtering lens for daytime. That's best for people who work under more natural lighting. And this helps prevent against migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, and digital eye strain. I'm on my computer a lot, so this makes a huge difference. And if you struggle with seasonal depression or work under for sure artificial lighting during the day, then check out Blue Blocks summer glow yellow lenses. These are blue light blocking glasses meets color therapy. My blue blocks glasses truly saved me and make a huge difference on my sleep. And especially since I moved into a new apartment, it is really bright here and the remedy sleep mask has been saving me so I can increase my REM and deep sleep. Blue blocks has so many frames to choose from about 20. My faves are the Parker frames And you can also send in your own frames and they offer a custom-made prescription service available. And what I love is that for every pair of blue blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision who gifts them to someone in need. 
You need to get your hands on a pair of blue blocks if you want to optimize your circadian rhythm, maximize your intuitive gifts, have more energy, get deeper sleep, avoid headaches from screen use, and reduce your anxiety. For your pair, you can head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness for 15% off. Once you get a pair of blue blocks, you will never go back. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. I've been excited to uh, talk to you about things other than keto, like last time. We're, we're on to entrepreneurship today. I'm, I'm here for it. Bring yeah. It. Tell what's been going on in your life in the last year. <laughs> Tell me. It's been a year? Wow. Since you were in my dining room? Yeah. <laughs> Did I send you home with food? I feel like... You sent me home with three books. So okay. All right. Fair that was enough. pretty solid. And um, chocolate. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you pretty much can't enter this house and leave without food. Uh, in the last year or so, it's summer right now, the summer of COVID. <laughs> in the last year, just continuing to build everything that has been started since then. Um, so in January 2019 was when I started the meals business. And so we're just a year and a half into that. My sort of benchmark for really building a business apparently is like in the three-year range to, to get to a point where I feel like I'm finally hitting a stride with something. And we're finally in a really good stride with Balanced Bite Spices, but with meals, we're definitely still building and getting there. Yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of what I'm doing right now is, is working on all of that. We're releasing a new summer menu. Um, just continuing to test and iterate on those things and kind of figure that out because I basically just dove in headfirst into that whole business and was like, yeah, I want to do this. I don't think I really thought it through that well because it's definitely like, did I really need to give myself that extra challenge? I, it was just why, why did I need to do that? I don't know. Um, But yeah, just figuring that all out. And then also balancing, you know, I still do Beauty Counter. That's a really big part of my business. um, And it helps to fund other things I'm doing. So yeah, just kind of juggling and balancing those two main things, like Balanced Bites and then like the Beauty Counter stuff. Yeah, I think it's interesting for people to learn more about the behind the scenes. And you have some people who just look at people on social media and they, I don't think they even realize what they think that you make money just off of like having a lot of followers on social media. Mm. Um, And then you really get into like, some people really think that I've had like, like exactly how I have no idea, but that's what they seem to think. Um, (laughs) So there's that illusion. But then also I, I think a lot of people don't realize um, how beauty counter is such a big part of your business and for a lot of women like and how you can turn that into such such a big business and maybe you can share more about like because I know at the beginning you had some resistance getting into beauty counter and then what kind of changed things for you and then how did you actually like make that into such a an important part Um, of your business now well the short story of it because otherwise it could be (laughs) too long I I really didn't have an intention of 
building a team, I definitely loved the products and I was like, okay, I'm using these. I love them. I'm going to recommend it. So I'll get what I consider, you know, an affiliate link kind of thing. I mean, I just thought, well, I should sign up because I'm going to recommend it. I know people will be interested because it was really helping my skin. I didn't have an intention of building a team, but people had signed up under me. Just it was early and people just kind of clicked and were like, okay, I want to do this thing or I want to discount or what is this? And people didn't know. So about a year in, I was selling the product just because I loved it and was recommending it, et cetera. And I went to one of the conferences and it was a really well done conference. It was relatively small. I think it was no more than 2000 people. Very well planned out. I didn't feel stressed out. I thought, I just thought the whole thing was really well done and I'm just not easily impressed. So uh, that made it <laughs> really, <laughs> that made an impression on me. And also, um, at that event, I had one of the women who's on my team came to it. And, you know, one of my mentors was like, Hey, this person really wants to build a business. You should pay attention to that. Like, she's really serious about this. I was like, Oh, okay. So I didn't really even know what that meant. It took me a year to really pay attention to that. Um, but then I also felt pretty compelled and I haven't been as vocal about beauty counter on my own social media just because I'm doing other things. Like I just have a lot going on and it's been many years now and the team has built up a lot. So I'm kind of sustaining my business very much behind the scenes via email more so than publicly on social media. But I felt pretty compelled to share the message about what's going on in that industry. And that's something that hit me when I was at the conference. I was like, wow, you know, I didn't know how unregulated this industry was. And I didn't realize that what we're putting on our skin you know, it's so unregulated. I mean, I think people make a lot of false assumptions about how safe the food industry is. Yeah. Actually, it's very self-regulated. I mean, I create food products, so I know, you know, there are approvals that we have to go through for organic labeling, but we're still putting what we put in the jars. And like, you just basically have to trust us that mm -hmm. we're doing right by you. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that, the food is not all sent in. Like no, no lab is testing things. You know, like it's not done that way with food. Like all these companies producing food products, it might not be what it says. Like, and I didn't know that that was a thing, certainly. And I for sure didn't know that our personal care was even less regulated. So, because there are fewer things that are like restricted, you know? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's Wild Wild West. And I was like, well, I should share that with the people who are following me because this is you know, a line of products that I'm using. So I definitely felt more compelled to share about it for that reason. And then in terms of the business, I basically just looked at it as I should just present the option to people. You know, if they want to do this and they love the products and they want to recommend it to a few people or many people, then who am I to stop somebody from doing that? And I think one of the things that I always do is, I mean, I'm like, the least pushy to get people to join as a consultant type of person. I don't know how else to say that, but I basically, you know, I make sure people know it's not a get rich quick thing. You know, you're not going to quit your job tomorrow. And it's just, it's just, it is what it is. You can earn a percentage of what you're selling. You can build a team. You can do all those things that people know of a traditional direct retail type of company. But you know, there's really no smoke and mirrors. There's no mystery around like, how do you do this? And how do you build it? And can I make this thing bigger? And um, I think, anyways, kind of a convoluted story. But basically, I think a lot of people have doubts about that type of business model. Mm -hmm. And I get that. I totally understand it. And 
at the same time, most of the people who come in who are on my team, they want a discount for themselves and they maybe sell it a little bit. And then there's a small percentage, let's say like 10% of the team who are actually trying to do more with it and build substantial either side income or eventually full-time income. And I have several full-time, two in particular who do beauty counter full-time on my team who might have some other little things that they do to earn money, but this is their their primary income. And then the vast majority of the other hundreds of women are really just kind of, you know, it's a few hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month or something like that. So I'm fine with being somebody who can be a mentor to people who want to have a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship and having businesses has always been part of my life. So long before I got into kind of the health space, you know, having a business and turning a passion into a way to make money has always been kind of my thing. So yeah, I mean, it just kind of was a natural progression from that. Something that I'm passionate about. Great. I will monetize my passion. Yeah. Well, and something (laughs) with Beauty Counter, you know, I got into it because I was just really passionate about the company and and the products. I love the products um, and just how it related to my own health issues. And then I realized to grow my business, I need to grow my team. And then you get thrust into, okay, now I have to manage people. And for me, like I had never had to manage anyone before. And that's a big part of it. Like if you want to keep growing and building any business, right. Eventually, like you can't do everything by yourself forever. Um, and so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like management and (laughs) like any, like, what is your approach with that? And what have you, what have you learned in having to manage different teams and what's effective for you? Um, well, I don't really think of what I do with Beauty Counter as managing anyone because I had, didn't hire any of these people. I yeah. wasn't like, hey, I'm going to pay you to do X job. So in terms of expectations and what people do, I really don't have them. Like it's their own commitment and their own decision. I can't have expectations of people in that way. I mean, it would be nice if I could say, hey, you're going to do this every month with your business, but it's just unrealistic. and you know, the upside for me is that it's not the only thing that I do. And so I'm not like stressed out about it all the time that, okay, if this person doesn't do this, then I don't earn X amount. Like it's just, that's not the situation that I'm in. And I know that for some people, that's a full-time income, especially when they're just on the verge of earning a lot from it, that can feel like a lot of pressure. But I think I think not putting that pressure on people is really important. And so I look at it more as mentorship. I'm here to help people. And when they're new, they have a lot of questions as they get more and more developed. They have fewer questions. Mm -hmm. I know less that's different from what they know, you know, the longer they're in it. And so, I mean, I I don't really tell anyone what to do or set goals for them. It's really up to them. Um, But the one thing that I have done more recently this year is just create a space for everyone on my team to come together once a week. We have a 30 minute call and I don't like to be scheduled, but for me, that's me bending to what I know would be helpful for all the people on this team to say, not only can they hear from me or other leaders or other new people on the team who are doing things in a certain way, but you know, as the leader creating that space was really important, even though I was resisting it. I was like, it's not about me. You know, I have to do this for the benefit of everyone here. And there might be times that I can't run the call. It hasn't happened yet because we have all been home. (laughs) I've never been anywhere, you know, since March since doing it. But that's a time and a space that everybody can come together. Now, the flip side of that, I do manage a team with Balanced Bites. So, you know, I have hired the people that work with me 
you know, running what we do with spices and meals and the blog and our email and social media and all of that. And so we have, there's like six of us, basically. I mean, it just depends, you know, um, some people just like work a little bit less than others. It's, it's contract based. So um, some people, like nobody's really super full time, but you know, those are people that I have interviewed and I'm like, I have standards and expectations and here's what you need to be delivering on. So that's been different. Um, but the way that I really handle managing my team in the last couple of years, I think the biggest contributor to that has been, which you know this, but just getting to know myself a lot better. Like how do I operate? Um, what do I need to be operating at? whatever my best is in terms of energy, in terms of the type of work I should be doing. And then how do I bend to be able to support my team so that they can do what they need to do. But then the other side of that is understanding who they are and what they can best contribute and how I can support them in order to like get the best from them. And that's something that I think like none of us learn that in school. I see a lot of leaders and a lot of different companies who really lack these skills. And I am not saying I'm there or anywhere. I'm just on the journey of recognizing that in order to be an effective leader and manager, I have to first be able to manage myself, which is a constant struggle as someone who's like a rebel and doesn't like rules. And, you know, I'm, I am not the most structured person, but somehow I joke, this is like my office reference. Your <laughs> listeners might be too young, but I'm like, somehow I manage. I mean, somehow it happens. It all happens. Um, but part of it is getting to know, like, what am I supposed to do? You know, you introduced me to this reading on human design. I knew my human design type, but I had a mm -hmm. reading um, and learning more about the fact that as a manifester, like I'm basically supposed to light the match and I am not supposed to keep the fire going. Like that's mm -hmm. not my role. And learning more about that and learning how to make that practical because I'm really good at lighting the match, but I'm not that good at just kind of blowing on the embers mm -hmm. and making sure that it's still going. And that is something that based on the team that I have, I need to make sure that I'm kind of a little bit like, hey, guys, don't forget this thing. You know, mm -hmm. we're still doing that and prioritizing and all that. So it's a lot of personal development work, honestly, to be a better leader slash manager. Mm -hmm. And it's not all about just what I want and the timeline that I want it at on because people have lives. They're not showing up to an office 40 hours a week to do this work. And so trying to balance, <laughs> trying to balance having people who work for me, but who, you know, I care about them as people and if they need a couple of days to figure out something in their life. And they're like, I can't turn this in today or whatever. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to freak out about it. I have to make sure that I'm nurturing the people. Yeah. I'm still like, <laughs> when we read your incarnation cross about like feeding people, like giving, <laughs> I, I'm still freaking out about that. Like, it's so on point. Human design has totally changed the way I approach business. And I also think, you know, it's mm -hmm. interesting to see how it translates over into the hours you work and kind of how you do your mm -hmm. schedule. Like you don't like, you don't like to be scheduled and you were telling me that you like to like work in like hit sprints. Mm -hmm. Have you always like been like that? Did you ever try to be more scheduled with things? I mean, I've worked office jobs and yeah. I felt like I was in a cage the whole time. Um, I, I mean, I hated that 
I didn't mind retail jobs where it was like you did punch a clock, but your schedule kind of varied. Um, and have I ever sort of time blocked? I mean, I, I had a period of time. I think as long as I have had some flexibility, then I've been okay with having a little more structure if I had to at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think. Um, I think I've basically, from whatever point in time it was an option, have found ways to make my life as flexible as possible. And to the point where, you know, not that we need to like fully get into this conversation today, but like a massive white privilege to say, I would basically like tell my boss, like, here's what I'm willing to do and like come in these days and work from home these days. And it was almost like a that's not okay with you. I'll find another job. I mean, how much privilege is there in that? But that was the reality where I was like, well, I know what I'm worth at this job. And I was like, okay, well, I need to leave at, you know, three o'clock on Wednesdays to go to this nutrition class. If that's Mm -hmm. not okay with you, I'll find another job, you know, like literally like my way or the highway kind of thing. So, um, but I've, I've just always done that. I don't know. I think, um, I have a real aversion to pain. So the pain of sitting at a desk X number of hours, if somebody said I couldn't go out for lunch, like I I just wouldn't handle that well. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I think that also leads into like the boundaries conversation Mm -hmm. and, and time management there. And I know for me, for a long time, I had such an issue with time management because I kind of just let everybody have access to me. Mm-hmm. whenever and then it just felt it was a giant shit show um and and then finally like having it's just like blocks of this is when I'm available this is when I'm not like changed mm-hmm. a lot for me and I'm curious what kind of boundaries in terms of like your your work yeah. day like the your employees um you know people who are on your beauty counter team like what what do you implement to keep your sanity <laughs> so I I think that being a person who a lot of other people know like I have strong boundaries. Um, first and foremost, I think that creating an environment where people kind of know not to ask certain questions. Like I don't have to create a lot of boundaries because people understand the the level of BS that I will and will not tolerate. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Like I don't feel like people are constantly pushing my boundaries these days because I have like zero tolerance policy for BS and tomfoolery or whatever you want to call it. Like people aren't, my, my team's not going to come at me at some, they're not even up working at 3am or whatever. Like, I don't know what that would look like, but Mm -hmm. no one's going to bother me with something they don't really need help with because how embarrassing Mm -hmm. for them if they did for no good reason. I don't know. Like they just, people just don't. So maybe people are more afraid of me and I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, because I don't have real structure in terms of like this time to this time, this day or this day, because I'm readily available. I almost think because I say, just get in touch when you need me. It's almost like people see that openness as a reason to not get in touch because they're like, well, I don't want to bother her. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, you're not bothering me if it's a real question and you need help, but then they're like, I guess I should figure out if I actually need your help first before I 
intrude on any mm-hmm. given time that you said, you know, is an open time. So all that being said, um, I basically just kind of, we did it today. I was like, hey, I have these calls that are going back to back. I might need a little extra time to just relax before we start this call. So for me, that's how I manage it because I don't know how I'm going to feel day to day. I do know that three calls in a row is a real drain on my energy. Even if I love the call, it doesn't matter. I'm just so on and I'm so like present with this call that it takes almost everything out of me. Like after this, I'll have to go lay down. I was going to ask, are you going to nap? (laughs) I don't know if I'll nap. Um, but then the next call I have, we're not doing an actual live call. We'll be on Voxer so we can talk back and forth and then I can like move around and do other things. And mm-hmm. it's not disrespectful to that person because I'm still hearing them. But if I'm making noise, it's not a big deal. So anyway, um, the way that I really deal with that, I think is, is just kind of structuring my own life in a way that feels comfortable for me and making sure that I'm not expecting other people to maintain something that they don't know about. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I bend when I have to. Like, do I want to have multiple calls in a day? There was a call that I was having right before this that I just didn't think I could fit it in. Like, I thought the, the podcast I was recording before this would creep into it. I didn't think I could make it. But I was like, you know what? I really want to make that call. Let me tell this previous call. We have to end by this time. Like, those, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Wait, when you said you have a call on Voxer, what do you mean? You like we like- just say we'll talk at this time and just mm-hmm. make sure that it's a concentrated like we're both there listening live. But like, for example, I could be like fixing myself a snack and it's uh-huh. making noise and I can listen to her. Mm-hmm. But my audio is not coming through and I can be like moving around the house or just doing whatever. But it's a different um it's a different amount of energy when you're not live yeah. in this way. I don't know how else to explain it, but. That's, that's so interesting. Of- I never thought of doing that. I mean, sometimes that just like magically happens, right? When you're mm-hmm. talking to someone, yeah. but I've never like set it up that way. I usually just get on a phone call, but that's. For me, it's really that scheduled time for it is not for me. Mm-hmm. It's really for the other person where I'm like, I will commit to like, getting onto this conversation at that time, especially, you know, this happens to be like my assistant, for example, she knows I'm on a call before this and she can't just like ping me now and I'll get back to her right now. She knows mm-hmm. that we need to talk at a certain time. So yeah, I mean, we, I do that with my team sometimes and it'll be a scheduled call and then we'll be like, Hey, do, do you want to just do this on Boxer today? Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like there's just so many people who could potentially reach out to you that it's just a lot? I'm so like, I turn on and I'm there and then I turn off and I forget about it. And it's really easy for me versus what do you mean? Like, I'm not the kind of person where if I'm out to lunch with somebody, I'm thinking about, oh, I should check my Instagram on my phone. Like, I just like I'm either off or I'm on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can just turn it on and off. Yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle with kind of feeling like, oh, there's an email I need to check. Oh, I need to get. Oh, to no. Yeah. So that's what I that's what I was wondering, because mm-hmm. I get asked that a lot. But I. I it's harder for me to explain because I'm just like, I just. If I'm not there, I'm off. Um, I think that's how I feel. I think that that's the nature of some people who respond to outside expectations really Mm -hmm. strongly. So like the obligers of the world, if you know about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, I'm a rebel. So I don't really respond to outer or inner expectations. Mm -hmm. I respond to my sense of identity and like who I think I am in the world. And like, I think that I'm a kind, generous, supportive 
person. Like that's who I am in the world. And so to me, being kind, generous and supportive in any moment depends on where my attention is most valuable and needed. And so if I'm on this recording with you, I'm not also checking Instagram or whatever. If I'm having dinner, you know, maybe I'll take a picture if I want to post something, whatever, but I'm not like worried about my email or worried about other things, you know? No, like I don't, people can wait. Yeah. I think that's good for people to hear. It's like giving, giving them some of that energy. Um, I mean, you, so this is like a, this is a Maya Angelou. It's like you teach people how to treat you. So if you're constantly hyper responsive in the moment to every whim that other people have and they never have to wait for an answer, then that's what they're trained to expect from you. And they believe that that's an appropriate way to treat you. And I'm not saying don't answer people in real time when you have the time and attention. What I'm saying is don't then resent doing it because you're the one that said it was okay by doing it. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing, you know what I mean? So this, this happens a lot with like Instagram DMs, for example, where, you know, now it's in my bio, like, please no DMs or whatever. Just because frankly, like if, what does anyone really need to ask? Like you need to ask about the coconut milk in my coffee. You really don't need to have a private conversation about that. Like everyone needs to get their heads on straight about what it means to jump into someone's DMs to have a private conversation. Like, I just think it's so demanding and entitled for people to behave that way about something that if you took 30 seconds to try and find it, you would probably find it. I've already answered the question a million times. And it's not that I mind answering the question. It's just, that's a lot of time if you add up how many people want to ask the same thing without ever making the effort themselves. So you know, to set a boundary there and to then uphold it. I have um, a creator account on Instagram. I don't know what kind of account you have, but you can save. Basically, it's like canned responses where you can Mm -hmm. type a little abbreviation or whatever you want to type. And then Instagram gives you the option of sending this like auto reply message. So I have one that I type no DM and I have this whole little response. And it's like, thank you so much. I appreciate, you know, you reaching out in an effort to connect with me. I get it. I get that people want to connect. Like I see people, I understand the human behavior there, but I'm also like, but this is not okay with me. I mean, I don't say it like that, but I let them know, here's how to get what you need. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a question about a product, here's where to reach out. If you have a question about beauty counter, here's how to reach out. If you have a question about something like basic, you can type a comment publicly. You know what I mean? So just maybe some people don't respond to every single comment. And so that wouldn't be the boundary that they want to set. Maybe they prefer to get a DM so they can track it that way. I just don't prefer that. For me, yeah. I think that the the little unread whatever and the, the privacy personal requests of information that could be for the benefit of everyone, I feel that that's not the right way to get that information. If somebody wants to share something heartfelt and they're like, I just want to share with you that this happened and this really helped me or whatever, people can share that. Mm-hmm. Like I get that. But anyway, um, so all that being said, you know, I don't I don't really have an issue with managing that at this point. But I think everyone has to kind of figure out what those boundaries are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm you know, I'm totally on the same page with you about the DMs. And it's interesting because I had so many people like we talked about this on that Instagram live. And I had a bunch of people say to me, like, I never, I never thought about it that way. Like a lot of people just didn't think about it that way. And to mm-hmm. your point, it, 
it, you know, people we can set these boundaries. Having all those people be able to DM you means you have hundreds of unread DMs. And to the other person, they're like, oh, I have like one or yeah. five a week. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. imagine you had hundreds. It's mm-hmm. like text messages that you don't even know the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just reiterating that for people who did not see our live. That was like, yeah, well, that's awesome. <laughs> well, but it's true, though. And I think people just don't even think about it from that perspective. And also they're all over the Internet and other places, all over Instagram and other places where people they're just in their DMs and it's it's normal. Right. So then they come to another page and they're like confused. Like, why don't you want the DMs? Um, but yeah, I mean, or they I, just I, think. Yeah. They think, well, then just don't answer it. I'm like, well, then why did you ask if you didn't want me to answer it? You obviously wanted an answer. And I get that. You know what I mean? It's not about it's not a like I think people somehow feel like it's rude to ask someone not to do it or whatever. And I'm just like, you you just need to understand that we're all different people and we have our behaviors and we have our preferences. And just because another person wants you to DM doesn't mean I do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like anything else in the world. Somebody else wants you to braid their hair. Somebody doesn't. You know, it's like just all the things in the world. Somebody likes to eat bread. Somebody does. I mean, <laughs> you don't like bread. I don't know. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like for yeah. some reason, um, I just think that people don't understand the the fact that like social media is just this whole new open door to communication. And I mean, it's it's creating a level of accessibility that is just too intense mm-hmm. for what I think is appropriate for every person to have access to everyone else. And I know what I was going to say. It's like, it's like, well, then you you don't have to answer it. And it's like, yeah, but that's not who I am. Who yeah. I am is someone who will respond. And maybe you don't like the response, but I'm not just going to ignore you if you reach out. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I have actually gotten to the place now where I do start to delete some DMs where I'm just like, this is a silly question that they could just try and answer themselves. They didn't read the profile. I don't know who it is. I'm just deleting it. And I'm doing that now. And I don't like doing that, but I'm also protecting my own energy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, (laughs) I don't give everybody my phone number. You know, it's like, uh, like all my clients, it's like they don't have my phone number. They have my boxer. Cause that's like, okay, this is where you can Separated. communicate with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a limitation. Unfortunately, like I think it's really amazing to have these open doors to a lot of people. But I think, um, I don't know. I just think the energy that people bring to it. I wish that, you know, these platforms would allow us to turn those off or to just adjust things in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah. You know, and we can't hide the notifications and it's just, it's just too intense. So anyway, I don't know. Well, I think the, the other thing for people to think about who are listening, like if you really want to support someone, I'll speak for myself. It's like, you can support me for free by leaving a public comment that it will also save me time. Cause if you have a question, I can answer it publicly and other people can mm-hmm. see rather than answering it, you know, individually, or like, even if somebody wants to drop in a note about, you know, what they appreciate. Like, I love that. But also it actually means more to me if you post in a public place so other people yeah. can see that. I um, think that's like twofold. I think part of it goes back to, you know, being a, a thoughtful person to understand how does this person want to interact with their readers or followers or whatever, and understanding that different people will want to act interact differently and respecting that first and foremost as the person who follows. So, you know, if somebody has story replies off in their um, 
Instagram stories at the bottom, there's not a box there to reply. It probably means they don't want you to DM them either. But if they have it open, they might be more open to it. And, you know, whatever it is what it is. Um, and I think, I think the other thing that you're touching on is sort of the, this is going to sound weird to somebody who doesn't have like a large following, but I'm just going to say it anyway. It's like your payment for the request of attention and an answer is literally this tiny piece of engagement that's public. Mm -hmm. Like the least anyone can do is actually like the picture and then to comment on it. Like that's basically you saying I'm willing to pay you Mm -hmm. in engagement for this request that I'm making. And I mean, I think this is something that people should really understand, you know, and especially like, look, if you notice that somebody responds to comments, I, I probably tap a heart on almost every single comment that I get, partially because I like to remember like, yes, I've seen those. These are new to me. Mm-hmm. So I will always tap a heart. I don't have like millions of followers. It's not that hard. Um, and I'll always respond to a question. If it's like a real question, sometimes it's, you know, just a rhetorical question or they're just kind of posing it to other people or if it's a real question. I'll always answer it. So I think, for people to understand that that is a generous thing to do is if you're going to ask a question, leave it publicly because that engagement really does help the person that you're following. I don't know if the DM does anything like that. I don't think it helps, you know, a post get any kind of traction or share their content out there. So, you know, if you keep in mind that when you DM someone, it's a personal and I don't say this in a bad way, but it's a selfish endeavor, right? It's only to serve you versus if you make a comment publicly, not only does it boost the engagement on that post, but then you serve the whole community by asking a question that other people might benefit from as well. So I think if people start to look at it differently, that mm-hmm. could be really helpful. Yeah. And I think it's helpful for other entrepreneurs to hear like that. No, we, you do have a choice. Like you don't have to answer the DMs if you don't want to, because a lot of people feel like they, they do. And I mean, some of my some people on social media, I'll just watch their stories and they're like, guys, I spend eight hours a day answering my DMs. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? Like some people choose to do that, but I'm like, you could be focusing on other things. And I think some people feel like because other people do that, they have to as well. If somebody wants to, they can do it. I think if somebody is growing resentful of that interaction, then it's up to the person who feels resentful to learn how to set the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it usually requires you kind of like hit a wall of of being upset and being angry at the platform and all of that. And I do wish it was different. I wish we had more control over the way that people want to get in touch. But in the meantime, you know, I'm not going to grow resentful of it if I'm not changing my own behavior, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. Diane Sanfilippo, queen of the boundaries. I love it. (laughs) Yet I'm like available all the time to people who, but so that's the other thing is that like, because I'm so available, I, that's why I'm also extra Mm -hmm. boundaried in that way. It's like actually part of my job is engaging on social media. Like I consider that part of my job, you know, I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to share ideas. I'm going to ask questions, answer questions, et cetera. So you know, in order to do that in a way that doesn't feel like I'm being taken advantage of, which Mm -hmm. is up to me to protect, then yeah, I have to kind of create those boundaries. When you first started your business, Instagram wasn't 
the, the it thing exists. It no. didn't exist. So I'm, I'm curious, like what that was like when Instagram first popped up, did you immediately hop on and use for business or what was that whole? Um, so I don't know like? when it very first started, but when I first got on, it was, uh, right before my first book came out. Mm-hmm. So I think my first post was sometime either, so it had to be in like June or July of 2012 because Practical Paleo came out in August of 2012. And my first Instagram post was like me in Atlantic City or driving to Atlantic City. Like it was sometime before the book came out, but it was already off to print. And I was like, okay, the people from my gym are going for like a night away or something. And I was living in New Jersey at the time. So just like drove, whatever, like BS, you know, foolishness posting on Instagram, not like, oh, here's a picture of my book. It was all much more personal. Um... And so, yeah, I started that in 2012. I'm pretty sure I was at Balance Bites for a long time. And then I eventually switched to at Diane Sanfilippo for myself. And at Balance Bites is now where like my food brand is. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I was using, I was blogging way back and then using Facebook and then Twitter and then Instagram. So Facebook was around pretty early. it was pretty aligned with when I started blogging and like everyone would just friend each other. Anyone who like did CrossFit at the time was like a friend with each other. So I don't even use my original Facebook account. Really, I don't log into it much because I probably have thousands of like quote friends that were just because we all did CrossFit back in the day, which I haven't done now in like six years at least. But um, and then Twitter was really what I used more when I was starting my business. I like made a lot of I booked a lot of um, like teaching seminars and things like that through Twitter. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. How do you feel like, how do you feel like Instagram has changed the way people build businesses as entrepreneurs? Um, I think there's a lot more smoke and mirrors now, like to like open an account and be quote an influencer. I mean, I'm just. I roll. I really did just roll my eyes because when people call me an influencer, I'm like, I have influence. I didn't just hang a shingle on Instagram and open an account and post filtered photos and decide I'm going to promote brands. And like, yeah. to me, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think being called an influencer in a lot of ways is a little insulting. Like, I think for someone to have influence is one thing, but if that's where the where it begins and ends if that's the full depth of the work I don't really like the way that that sounds Mm -hmm. um but uh so I think it creates a lot of smoke and mirrors I think that people who have the most uh solid foundation and solid content and reach and and depth of content generally have work a body of work and a practice and business or whatever that exists off of Instagram and social media, um, whether that's a blog, which is totally legit, um, whether they're creating programs and coaching and doing all of that, which I know is a lot of the stuff that you do in your podcast you've had for many years. I mean, I had a health podcast for eight years. I was really not blogging that much. I mostly was just kind of doing the podcast once a week. Um, And yeah, I think now it gives people a false sense of entrepreneurship that it's like people think that opening an Instagram account and posting, you know, once a day or whatever they do is a business. And I'm like, well, maybe, but as a business, 
as a brand owner now, I get a lot of outreach from quote influencers and I can go to their account and I can see they have, let's say 14,000 followers or 30,000, whatever the number is, somewhere over 10 because they paid to get enough people so they could have a swipe up. And they're somewhere over the 10,000 range. But then I go and I look at their comments and their engagement, especially on their branded posts. And I can tell that there's a pod of maybe 10 to 50 people who are all other influencers and they're commenting on the post. And I get it. You know, you have a, a paid post and you want people to comment. But I would rather see 10 comments from random real people than 50 comments from influencers like that person who are just literally there to boost up the post. So I I just see it as this whole trend of um, it's just, it's sort of a shallow, vapid way of creating a business that isn't really, doesn't have the depth of helping people that I find more interesting and engaging. And am I saying I think influencers are bad people or people who just want to like open an Instagram account and take pretty pictures as a bad thing? No, like do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Like I think everyone has to make their decisions and have their own level of integrity with what they're doing. But I think that usually the people that I find more uh, to have more weight and gravity, there's something that they do that's a real thing. If you teach yoga and now you have a beautiful yoga account and you want to do that also on social media, great. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I just think that like, if your whole beginning and end is that Instagram feed, I don't know. I would like to meet a person that, that that's all they're doing and find yeah. out. Well, I think the, the scary part is that there are a lot of people who literally just post Instagram and then other people see other accounts and they just kind of assume like people have said to me like isn't your job Instagram don't you just post on Instagram once a day I'm like no I spend 10 minutes and I put up a post and then I have a business (laughs) right here's the thing like I really don't care if other people don't understand that as much yeah because the reality is I care more that the person who thinks they're gonna just have an Instagram account like they need to know how how what kind of shaky ground they're on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you are only doing that, that might be gone way sooner than you expect. You know, like even from a few years ago, the reach that we get, the organic reach with our posts, mm-hmm. you know, on Instagram is not what it used to be. And so if they're not also writing articles, building an email list, mm-hmm. doing these other things, like they ha- you have to diversify what you're doing in order to have a sustainable business. Yeah. No, I mean, I've had people ask me, like, they want me to help them build a business by just posting Instagram. I'm like, no, like, I can't what, do that. <laughs> what What does that mean? Like, what does that even, what is That's that? A, I don't know. That's the people, yeah, I don't know. Well, when I, I see a lot that, of misunderstandings. when I see accounts like that, I'm like, why are people following this person? And and granted, I think there's a certain collective, and I, I would imagine your listeners and followers are not these people because that's just how you are energetically. Like you're going to probably attract people who are a little, have a little more depth um, and like understand the ways of the world, even though of course we all have people who might not. But if you're going to follow someone because they post pretty pictures and like your, if your qualification 
for why you trust somebody on social media is extremely shallow, then I'm not sure you're the right follower for everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can, that, that person can have those followers. Like, that's fine. I want the people who are actually trying to like learn something or have improved their life. They're not just like, what's the best protein powder for me? Like maybe that's also a question they have, but they're interested in learning about these other things. So mm-hmm. I like cultivating that type of community where people are just a little bit more like critical thinkers and, yeah, you know, just thoughtful people. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, I mean, it's more enjoyable to engage in the, with your community. I think people like they're so caught up in like followers and it's like it is it's quality. You know, it's always quality. Oh, I I probably lost somewhere in the 700, maybe at least around 700 follower range, even though I've gained a whole bunch of new ones in the last couple of weeks just with this whole um resurgence of like Black Lives Matter and just talking more about social justice issues, even though I've been talking about it for a long time. Um, But my follower count has been static where it is or we might be going on close to a year now Mm. based on how many people follow and and unfollow or maybe there were fake accounts that were following that I didn't catch. Every day I remove fake followers all the time. Like I see them follow and I'm like, that's not a real account. Remove. I just removed tons of them every day. So I would rather have my the actual numbers stay the same, but have the quality keep improving because I really like the engagement mm-hmm. of the community. You know, I yeah. find that people really comment on what I'm doing. And to me, I think that's that's more valuable is like to have a good conversation, you know? Yeah. Well also those are gonna convert into actual customers. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Real people who trust you. Um and I, I wanted to like I I wanted to talk more about um, building a business in the food industry. Mm. Um, Obviously, I haven't done that. And I feel like that's a whole other beast, so to speak. Um, And I really think even what you were saying before about like for people to realize that a lot of it is just not even regulated and we're basically just, you know, trusting people to say what's in it is in it. Um, I kind of want to talk more about what it's what it's like building a business in the food industry, like putting products out there, like, cause I think that's just this whole other world that, I mean, I know not of and you, you do. <laughs> um, I, I know a very small percentage of anything. Um, <laughs> having a conversation with a friend of mine who has a much bigger business and he was like, none of us know what we're doing. We're all figuring it out every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, okay, well that's reassuring. I mean, what do you, what, do you what would know? you say to somebody who wants to, launch a food product? I mean, the same thing I would say to somebody who wants to write a book, which is like, don't do it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because unless you're so convicted about doing it that like mm-hmm. nothing's going to stop you, then you shouldn't do it because it's hard. You're probably not going to make money. You're probably going to lose a lot of money for a long time. Um, and, you know, I'm, I don't think I just don't think it's a, it's a type of endeavor that you just enter into lightly mm-hmm. um, and it's not for everyone and it's super competitive. So if you don't already have an audience of people who are like ready to buy this thing, mm-hmm. who you don't just if you build it, they will come is like not a thing, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, for me, I had I had a conversation with another um 
apparently I have a lot more friends in this industry than I realized I had, or just people who I've connected with and like I've supported their products for a long time. And then they're just being really generous with even small pieces of advice that I, that's like a big thing for me is even just a little bit of them saying like, Hey, here's what I think. I'm like, Oh, thanks. Um, but you know, one conversation I had was like, yeah, these, all these food brands try to just come out onto the scene and they just come out of nowhere and nobody knows who they are or what they're doing or like who the people are behind it. Like nobody knows anything about any of it. So people try to create a product and then they have to create awareness. And he was like, but what you have is already this really loyal following of people who really trust your judgment and your taste and your whatever you're doing. So mm-hmm. he's like, that's a great thing. Like you can introduce these things and people are going to respond. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like I just didn't really think about it that way. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if somebody has a platform and you, you know your people who are following, you know your customers um, and you have, you know, sold things to them before, like you could probably create some kind of product, like an actual product that people would like if you got to the point where you're like, well, here's something that I feel like would solve problems for me. And so, you know, by virtue of that, it would probably solve problems for my readers and followers, whatever. The same way, like I literally use all of my spices all the time. That's kind of like, well, if I'm going to use them, that's the true test, right? Like if I'm going to eat my meals, which I do eat my own, you know, balanced mm-hmm. bites for the meals, like many times a week, that's the true test because you know, you kind of, when it gets to that type of product, you do have to be your own customer. Yeah. Are there like, uh, I don't know, more m- m- different testing or like more regulations for like the meals versus the spices? Um, so, the, so the meals are not uh, organic certified. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, the kitchens where they're produced would need to get a certification. And um, it's just like a whole other process. And then a person would have to be there certain days and it's just a bigger undertaking. Um, So those are not, uh, but approvals, I mean, it really depends on where and how you're selling, selling direct to consumer, um, meaning just from a website, not going into retail. There, there are fewer rules and regulations around that. It's not the reason why I don't have my spices going at retail, but um, I think, it just, yeah, I mean, it just kind of depends the category that your product is in and it, what kind of certifications it has otherwise. So, you know, it's all stuff that you basically, you end up just fumbling to learn it along the way, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the spices, the USDA organic certification is really what we have. The, the co-packer that I work with for that, um, the facility is certified, like she mm-hmm. has space where there's, like certified organic, meaning like anything in that space is certified organic and all of the ingredients are certified. And so, you know, we send the labels off to the USDA to get approved, like what the formulation is and what we're calling it and everything like that. And like, that's really it. I mean, they get inspections at whatever intervals they need to get them for USDA, but it's not like USDA doesn't take the food send it to a lab and prove that like the paprika is paprika and the garlic is garlic or any of that. Like there's no, there's no filter. Like, yeah. There is no, it's really crazy. And so I actually think it's one of the reasons why having a lot of trust in the people who build a company is so important because 
just talking about this with Cassie Joy. So on our podcast, Driven, which is an entrepreneur podcast, uh, we were talking about this, how, you know, businesses are not this like nebulous thing, a pod thing. And no, oh, that's the business and the business decisions. It's people. People make decisions. People are yeah. the ones who say, this is what we're doing. You know, trusting other people sometimes, right? Like to do what they say they're doing and, and do things the right way and and all of that. But um, anyway, it's it's an interesting endeavor to try and figure out I don't know, like, and what needs to be approved a certain way. Like I made a decision that it would be okay to sell these meals, not as certified organic or all grass fed or whatever, because I asked my audience, like, would you rather pay a a real premium price or would you rather be a little bit more affordable and not, you know, the perfect Mm -hmm. level of everything? And they're like, "Mm, we'd rather it not be the perfect level of everything because buy that for yourself, you know, all the time, but you can buy something that's you know, yeah, you know, hormone antibiotic free and like squeaky clean, still better than what you're going to find at a restaurant. So anyway, in terms of the like approvals and regulation, it just depends on the type of food product that it is. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where people that you end up partnering with, unless you're going to produce it yourself. Like I don't mix this stuff in my house or in a kitchen here. Like actually mm-hmm. most people work with co-packers, their facilities and companies, you know, who do this, whatever the food type is, even some of the big companies that we know, like Mm -hmm. they don't own a facility. You know what I mean? Like these big brands, like maybe a company like Kraft Foods might own a facility, but maybe not. Like there's companies that make things, all these individual products that get contracted with to make it for each brand. And that's Mm -hmm. just how it works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like Trader Joe's is not a food manufacturer. They don't make anything. They actually just, buy it from these co-packers and have it packaged a certain way. And some of it might be, you know, it just gets branded differently for Trader Joe's, just for example. Yeah. Would you ever want the spices in the meals to go to retail, like in stores or? Um, With spices, I'm not 100% sure because I think there's something, I've been thinking about it a lot. I think there's something about staying direct and just kind of building that way that creates a better relationship. I, you know, of course, having wider availability would be great, but it's like the more you do that, the more stress and problems there can be as well. And I don't know how much the products speak for themselves on the shelf to somebody who doesn't really know what it is. Um, All of that's a little bit of like some limiting beliefs, right? Like I'm not doing it now. So here's some reasons why not. Does it mean I won't? I don't know. But like, I just don't need that headache right now. I'm Mm -hmm. building the business in a great way as it is. And would it be fun to see it on a store shelf? Sure. But I get more of a kick to see it in somebody's house and seeing them use it. So, um, and I also have a take on like, just people buying direct from brands as something that's growing versus only going to the grocery store and buying what's available there. Um, But when it comes to meals, Uh, I'm definitely looking into that. Like right before COVID hit, I was supposed to have an appointment with somebody who could potentially be producing meals in a much more large scale than the way that we do it now. And they would be a little bit of a different format. And I have to kind of circle back on that conversation because I still think that I could really bring something high quality with amazing flavor to people that I don't see out there, even with new things coming out more and more. I still feel like if I can execute it the way that I have it in my mind, 
the standards that I have are just, I just have high standards compared to what's out there. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's paleo or just because it's clean ingredients doesn't mean it tastes amazing. Yeah. But the way that I can create something using the right spices and whatever is just different. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of all of that. But I, I also think that, I don't know, I, I'm curious what you think about this, but of course we all still go to a store for a lot of things. But there are a lot of things that we just buy directly because we're like, well, I want to support this brand and this company. And yeah, it would be great if it's also available there. But like, I'm going to go buy, for example, wild chips, those chicken chips that I love. That it's just like a weird obsession of mine. It's fine, whatever. They're good. They're really good. They're really Not sponsored. <laughs> Salt vinegar are my new favorite. The buffalo are also delicious. Chicken and waffle are weird, but good in a weird way. Um <laughs> But I actually would rather just go to their website and buy a couple of cases than buy a couple of bags. So what I might buy in the store, the interaction with the product at the store is a nice discovery point. Mm -hmm. But I still think I'd rather just go to their website and buy it. They're probably making better margins that way. And I feel like that's just, I don't know, I like interacting with a brand in Mm -hmm. that way. And I do think that a lot of us are growing. We're expanding the way that we shop to do a lot more of that direct shopping because we like that connection to the brand. We feel yeah. a certain way about it, you know? And that's, um, I don't know, like specialty retail, right? Like shopping yeah. at the Gap versus going into Macy's and like having all these brands just come to my store and buy my brand and then be done and it's chill and you know what you're getting. You know yeah. what I mean? I think so. a lot of people might not have thought of it that way before. Like I know for me, before I like had friends who were selling products on their websites, I used to always get everything from the store or on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And But in just learning more about the behind the scenes and knowing, oh, they were going to make more money if I just purchased it straight from them, then I started doing that. Um, I'm not sure I would have had I not really mm-hmm. kind of known more about the behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and that's not to say I won't also buy things mm-hmm. some other place. But like Amazon, for example, if I were to put my spices on there, I'm sure I would make $0 on it. I don't know if I would even maybe lose money, but the point would be more to um, just gain exposure for the brand and have people find it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I wouldn't lose money, but they they take a big cut and the grocery stores do too. They take really big cuts um, and I get it. But when you're trying to sell a product that's high quality, it's actually really hard to you know price it in a way that's reasonable Mm-hmm. and keep the quality really high. And a lot of these companies that are putting out products, like, I don't know, my standards are just where they are. And when I see things that I'm like, oh, look, now they just introduced six new things and they're all in this random collection of products that this, now these companies make everything. And I'm like, do, do any of you even really like those or you're just buying them because it's that brand and have you really vetted the quality? I don't know. I just think yeah. less is more. No, I agree. I'm I'm curious for for the meals and the spices. Do you find you get the most like for, in terms of marketing? What mm-hmm. do you get the most return on? Like emails? Like I would guess either Instagram or emails. Or do you do like um, Facebook ads and stuff too? We don't have any anything that's paid at this time. Um, the only thing that's paid is we do have affiliates for the meals. We're working on an affiliate program for spices. It's just a matter of getting it installed. That's coming out soon. Um, so that's the biggest thing that like costs money, you know, mm-hmm. to actually pay the affiliates because I have a very generous setup there just because I know 
if you're recommending it. Like I really want to generously thank people for doing that. But mm-hmm. um, probably, yeah, social media. And then we're constantly driving people to our email list because we do convert most of our, most of our customers are, are really converting probably through email um, and then also through social media. So yeah, okay. I mean, we do, we build it that way. Yeah. Well, I think blog. that's, yeah, that, that's the power of like having an audience that trusts you, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people feel like they just have to, like, it's really impressive that you can build that. And word of mouth, you know, yeah. people sharing about the things that they're using. Mm-hmm. Good product and trust. And, you know, way. I mean, personally, like when I use the products, that really helps people see what to do with it and what they might want to buy and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think just by virtue of having a platform where over the years I've shared a lot of products, um, a lot of things that people end up really loving and using. And then, you know, it, like you said, it builds a trust, but I also yeah. don't, I never took any sponsored, I never did any sponsored content um, on Diane Sanfilippo, like Instagram. Um, I had some sponsored book tours, but I've never done like a hashtag sponsored hashtag ad. Like I've never had a post like that where I literally, you know, post it because it's sponsored. Of course, people like the things that they're sharing about that way. That's not, I'm not a hater. Get your, get your money however you get it. But I think that not having done that afforded me this different level of trust from my readers and followers, you know, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to share the same brands that I've always loved. And I'm going to share my own brand right alongside that. Because at a certain point, I was like, this is silly. All I'm doing is promoting all these other brands. I don't charge for it because the rate that I would charge, nobody would want to pay because I'm not going to be like, oh, pay $500 for a post. Like my endorsement is worth a lot more than that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I endorse so few things. Yeah. So creating my own product is really a great way to say like, hey, if you like my recommendations and you trust what I do, try the products. And I mean meals, meals are always going to have a more divisive, um, opinion on like flavors and textures and all of that. But our spices, I mean, I feel like the number of not good reviews I've had, I don't even know if I could count on one hand. It's like five-star reviews on almost everything because maybe people just love them. Sometimes someone's like, oh, I didn't expect this, or I don't like fennel. And there was fennel in the one. I'm like, okay, well, you can read the ingredient list before you buy it, but okay. (laughs) No. so like those reviews are just kind of whatever, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we were talking about, but. <laughs> well, I mean, they're big too. They're, they're, no, they're really good. Um, so if people haven't checked them out, they should. My last question for you is you're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to answer that, well, but you have to answer it. Favorite question? Yes. It's what your favorite meal is. Of Balanced Bites meals? Yeah. Trying to think what I've been reaching for the most. Well, okay, I have a new favorite. When is this air? Probably had like a month. In a month. Oh, okay, then it's out. I don't want to like talk about it. Yeah, now. it's out. So, uh, like traditional favorite is the spaghetti squash bolognese bake, and that has been on the menu since the beginning, and it's just super comfort food, and it's like it, it's just always good. Mm-hmm. It's just super delish. Um, and then a new favorite is chicken tikka masala. Mm. we have this dish um it also comes with a little packet on the side of a chutney like a cilantro 
just fresh herby chutney. Like if you were to order Indian food, which I don't know what you're eating these days because that changes like by the minute, whether it's like meat or no meat or nightshades or no nightshades. I don't know what, but it's a nightshade party. But, um, you know, I love Indian food, but I don't love feeling kind of like after because traditional Indian food would be cooked with ghee, but we don't know what every restaurant's using. And anyway, I don't always feel the best after getting takeout. And so I'm really excited because this dish is like, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. It's so good. And then the little packet of chutney on the side that you can like cut it open and just, <laughs> I'm all about that sauce slave. It's just next level. It's so good. Love so a good sauce. Favorites. Maybe, maybe your next endeavor can be balanced by balanced bite sauces. I mean, there's always things in the work, so we'll see what comes next. We'll see. Well, awesome. Well, let's wrap it up for there. Thank you for All your right. time. I had I had fun chatting. We're just always like, we'll just get on the phone and push record. Basically. Yeah, we'll we'll and see what we'll see what whatever what happens. Um, no, I like talking entrepreneurship with you always, and I know people are gonna want to learn more, so. Uh, they can listen to your podcast driven all things entrepreneurship business building find you on instagram mm-hmm. at, at diane, diane Saint Filippo. Filippo. yep or at balance bites if you want to come check out spices or get some frozen real food meals for those days when you're like uh-oh what i, <laughs> I didn't make food <laughs> and where do they buy the meals balancebites.com actually it's meals.balancebites.com but if you just go to balancebites.com you can get the link all right awesome thank you so much diane i appreciate it thanks for having me huge thank you to diane for coming on the podcast again make sure you check out balanced bites meals and spices they're amazing head to balancebites.com to get more from diane you can also find her on instagram at diane sanfilippo and listen to her on driven podcast don't forget you can get exclusive access to behind the scenes content related to this podcast and my life on my private instagram page wellness realness crew all you have to do to gain access is dm a screenshot of your itunes rating interview to that page wellness realness crew and when i get the dm of the screenshot of your itunes rating interview i will give you access and you'll get to see all of the juicy content you can also connect further with other listeners by heading to our free facebook page wellness realness podcast tribe that's going to be it for today's show thanks again for tuning in i hope you have an awesome rest of your day and i'll chat with you again next 